Welcome to Let's Connect for Good. My name is Alicia Sternberg-Yanos, and I'm your host. Thank you so much for choosing to spend time with us. Since you're here and are important members of this community, I'd like you to think for a moment about which healthy drink is your favorite. What about it connects you to it? The why. Now imagine a company that creates handcrafted, great tasting alternative milks whose focus is fighting for our health by providing locally sourced nutrient dense foods that are preservative free. A company that believes in transparency, access, sustainability, community, education, hires disenfranchised individuals, the previously incarcerated, those with disabilities, women who experience domestic violence and considered unemployable. Moreover, they plan to provide benefits that outpace some of the largest companies in terms of a living wage, health and wellness, assistance in securing affordable housing, scholarships for team members interested in furthering their education, and the list goes on. I know it sounds unbelievable, but after you meet our guest, Leslie Woodward, the creator and CEO of Edenesque, she's all about people. Trust me, you will believe. My first question is about your vision. Can you talk about your vision for Edenesque? The vision is to create a company where where we consider being for profit, but also consider the people and the community. And what I mean by that is that I wanted to create a company that, and a food company that did things differently, that considered people and health and nutrition and integrity. Uh, many times, I, I guess for me, when I was go to the grocery store, most of our foods, you know, claim to be healthy and they're not. They have additives and preservatives, et cetera, et cetera. And primarily why we do that, and especially in the nut milks market, um, some nut milks have 2% nuts, is you're trying to expand your profit. However, many people choose our nut milks because they want to be healthier. I wanted to create a company that that created a product that was actually full of integrity, that was nutrient dense, that had those components considered. And to also have a company that uplifted the community, um, that integrated itself in the community, and that cared about its employees beyond the profit and show that, hey, we can um, push back the way in which our food is produced and manufactured. We can make a profit and we can uphold or consider our employees while doing so. Leslie, we're clearly in need of some straight talk about our health in this country. Can you give us some numbers regarding our national health or lack thereof? Well, six in 10 adults have a nutrient deficient disease, meaning they have diabetes or heart disease, um, congestive heart failure, etc. My uncle, uh, for instance, has uh, diabetes. He did contract COVID and now he's on dialysis after spending, you know, 10 days in the, in the hospital due to complications. My uncle mm-hmm. recently died. Um, there's a woman that I go to the gym with and she has um, high blood pressure. 
she has high cholesterol, and she I just wrote her a nutrition plan for gout. Uh, so this is a huge issue with preservatives and additives in our food. And I believe that many of our fruit foods are not uh, nutritionally supportive. And what we're eating is one of the many factors that are contributing to these these chronic ailments. Right. And, and this really was a, a passion of yours to try to answer this problem. And just so that we can get an understanding of your background, one of the degrees you have, and you have many, is in holistic nutrition. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Well, when I became a chef, it was important for me to create delicious food um, and to do it, you know, at a high end, but also be considerate and be concerned about people's health. Because I said, if I, I have a talent for the culinary arts, but how can I contribute? What can I give back in my small way to this world and making it better in some ways? And so I worked with individuals on eating and how to eat better. And if they had a particular ailment, then um, I would teach them how to prepare their food or prepare foods for them that was nutritionally supportive to their particular ailment. And so I needed to go to school for that. Um, And so that went hand in hand with um, the culinary arts degree as well. That makes sense because transparency to customers, it's labels are so confusing to us. And I guess my first question, and I'll get back to labels is, what what does transparency mean to you as it relates to what you produce and how customers understand it? Transparency means that you can actually understand everything that's on the label. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Which is Greek to most of us, like, what is locust bean gum? <laughs> you don't have to, or, you know, have words that you can actually pronounce. Uh, mm-hmm. So our, our nut milks are really clean or less, usually less than four ingredients. Um, and I think that's what it means. And also, it's in a glass bottle. I, at one point, um, I guess a couple of years ago, I was concerned that we were going on the store shelves and did people really understand that the milk is supposed to separate because we have no stabilizers or additives or anything in it. And so I, I, I try to not make it separate. And it's like, wait a minute, this is transparency. Yes, it is. That's right. We know what's in there. We And <laughs> be proud of it. Just give it a shake. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, and it's not supposed to last forever. It's not supposed to last for six months or a year on the store shelf. So I think that that's what that means to me, just having, hey, this is this is what it is. This is what the food is. And I don't have to add or do anything differently to um, make it more appealing or less appealing or just show show the food for what it is. So what what's interesting when I'm looking at labels is – I don't know, maybe you have how many ingredients on average are on your labels? I think four. Yeah. And those yummy milks. Mm, I love the honey vanilla. Yum, yum. Versus your competition where there's so many things in there that are just crazy. And it gets back to, well, 
we're psyched that the milk is separating and we can see it, right? The nut milks are separating. It makes me feel better because I really don't understand what these other things are, especially in terms of your honey and vanilla. I mean, I just, I just love that it's vanilla bean. I know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. And what about the nutrition in your nut milks? Because again, that becomes confusing to us as consumers. The nutrition in our nut milks and our oat milks is going to be likened to the nutrition of the actual nut. Um, For instance, for cashews, um, we know it's going to be a heavier fat content because cashews are, but in each of our bottles, there's about 40% nuts and the entire cashew is used in that bottle. So there, there isn't any leftover meal as opposed to the almond milk, um, the almond, there are, there are going to be some leftover meal or residue just because the nut is not as fatty. Um, also with our oat milk, we're using basically all of the oat as well. So if we could mirror the nutritional content to those ingredients, that's what you would have with our, with our milks, probably a little diluted because we use reverse osmosis water. Okay. So can you explain reverse osmosis water to us. What does that mean? That just means there's nothing in the water. We take it, everything is is pretty much um, removed, every chemical or anything of that nature. Some people say that it's healthier. Some people say that it is not. Um, I just wanted to make sure that we had the cleanest water available. That makes perfect sense. In terms of accessibility, Can you speak about programs that you partner with and also the way they make your products accessible, right? Um, For those specifically who can't afford them. Well, we are a luxury item, I would say. Not necessarily luxury, but it's a premium item. So that means our bottles are $10 per bottle. Um, And that's just because of the water purification process that we go to that we use nuts that when we use vanilla bean you can turn up the bottle and you could see the vanilla bean the honey and the maple are locally sourced so our ingredients are of top quality and and usually most of them are organic or locally sourced what we do do is that if we're at the farmer's market and there is a SNAP recipient or even someone who says, well, this may be a little bit more than I can afford right now, I generally give a 50% discount, which makes it $5 per bottle. Mm-hmm. When we have plans to possibly open a brick and mortar location, when we open the brick and mortar location, I will be rolling out a program called a community member program. And that means people in the community will have a card and will be able to receive um, 50% off of our products when they come in the store, if they see us at the farmer's market, etc. Some of the other things that we may be doing are, you know, offering classes, community classes, etc. So they can understand what's in, in, in the what they're consuming, right? What they're yeah, consuming. Yeah. And then we can also talk, uh, one of a big thing of mine has always been about nutrition courses. When I was in New York City, and I, I guess around the time I first moved here, um, I started a after-school program at the Food and Science High School. Um, and it was a two-hour program that met twice a week. 
and we talked about foods that were supportive nutritionally supportive to um, the diseases that were the chronic illnesses that were plaguing communities of color. So we can do programs like that and partner with local dietitians in the area, et cetera, because I do want this to be a brand that is, again, integrated in the community where we're based and what are we doing to uplift and support our community. Edenesque is really a holistic brand when it comes to that. So it's, hey, you know, yeah, we're, we're making a profit, et cetera. But hey, for the end user, we are, it's nutritionally supportive for you. You know, um, it's not laced with additives or preservatives and it's going to uplift you in some sort of way with antioxidants, et cetera. But also with our employees hiring those again that are disenfranchised and paying them a, a fair minimum wage, everyone starts off at $15. That's also about health, the way we treat the environment and how are we supporting and uplifting our community. And I think that that goes back to, as with our packaging, the question about sustainability. Yes, it's the consumption of water and all of these other things, but it's also about sustainability of of community, of people, et cetera. And I think those need to be considered too when we talk about the, the question of sustainability or how we want to be holistically supportive in our community. And of course, we'll, we'll ask you another question about that, but I want to touch for a moment on first where we can find your milks. Okay. And, and it's clear that education, I mean, you answered the question about education because I think your approach to education is just that you've, you've educated yourself across the line. And um, I think you answered the question about your approach to it. But I do think it's super important for people to know about, within accessibility, some of your partners, because I think that blends education and accessibility as it relates to communicate, like community. So um, can, you just, can you talk about your outreach program through ARC and tell us about what ARC does? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well... It just so happened that I was, I guess it was an incubator in some respects, but it was a program that was located in Orange County. And it was a consulting firm that wanted to, I guess, support artisanal manufacturers of all kind in order to um, provide jobs to the area. And Orange County, um, if we look at Walden, they were depleted of jobs. A lot of the manufacturing had left many years ago. And so I was with that organization. They said, hey, Leslie, you know, we have a space in Kingston. And due to your mission, it may be a good fit. And this will be the first food, I guess, pod or manufacturing space in Ulster County and that we're doing as an organization. So it happened to be in the ARC building and the ARC building um, and ARC, it's an organization that supports those with disabilities to assist them in gaining independence. So they help them, they have day programs here, they provide, help them with jobs, they do job coaching, help them with housing and transportation In the back here of this large building, 
they went through current, I guess recently in 2018, the top of 2019, started construction on food pods. And the arrangement is that if we could have this space or use this manufacturing space, if you would hire some of our clients, which are those with disabilities. And they say, well, of course I will. This is, this is part of my mission. That's right. That's what you're, that's what you're living to do. That's what I'm living to do. And so (laughs) some of my first employees, I guess it was um, Sean and a couple of other people here. And then another gentleman, again, this is my, um, this is in my wheelhouse. We, I hired, I partnered with the family of Woodstock. They are um, supporting those um, who are recently out of prison or in with those with disabilities as well, but to reduce recidivism. And that's a big concern of mine as well. And so I remember Michael called and he said, Leslie, hey, I, I just got out of prison. And I said, well, when did you just get out? And he said, well, a month ago. I said, okay. And he had been in prison for 25 years and he, for committing murder. And he said, Leslie, will you just give me a chance? And I said, okay, Leslie, here we go. <laughs> Here's the test. Here's the yeah. test. And I said, well, absolutely. And Michael, you know, helped me set up our manufacturing facility. And we worked out all the kinks and started getting into our first stores. And he was really instrumental in helping me train and uh, get everything up and running in this new space. And so, yeah, these relationships have been extremely rewarding for me. And now Michael is in, you know, Syracuse closest to his family. He's driving an Audi. He has a job. He's doing very well. (laughs) But think about all these outcomes. Because I just I I know, um, I know how much it means to you to to help people. And I know that you are not one to talk about yourself. But I, I, I really do need and feel the need to point out the fact that you have been bootstrapping and you were working full time up until I guess it was May. And so you're supporting the staff, you're bringing other people up at the same time that you're working crazy hours. And this is your passion. And this is something that from your childhood you wanted to do. And, and then you're and then you you know, what's better than the effect you have on one person and you have an effect on so many people. Um, I just thought I should state that, but I want to segue into, I made a call to ARC and I spoke with Julie Steffen and I asked her about you. (laughs) Sneaky. And so this is what she said about you. And it's no surprise to me. And, And to anybody listening, when you get to know her, as you will within this community, it will not be a surprise. Leslie is very dedicated to running a business that embraces a diverse workforce. She's all about giving people a chance and contributing to her community. She has taken several of the people we support under her wing, providing them with additional training and encouragement so they could be successful. She also understands that customization and accommodations may be needed for an employee to do a job to the best of their ability. She is also willing to make changes and try to be different and try different approaches. She is overall a super cool lady. And that is the truth. What do you think about that? Pretty nice. You should feel good about that. Don't you think? I do. And I have created a 
product or created something from from nothing. And I think that's the most important part for me, I guess, about this company is that I'm just to be able to make a difference, to have something on the store shelves that is different from mass production and the way and things are being produced and to have a company say, hey, we can make a profit, but we can also help people. We can, you know, people come to, you know, our, my employees come and they're, they're smiling. They're happy to be here. They're here for a while. They're here on time. And um, there's not great turnover. And that's, that's the most important, I think, for me is just making a difference. Well, you do. And of course, I was over there last week and I, and I bore witness to that. I saw your chief of operations, right? Your, your grand poobah, as I called her, of your operations, who was smiling from ear to ear and your new employee and an employee, which I'd like you to talk about, who came in, got her coat, was ready to go. But she, you know, she, she did what she did. Can you talk about her for a moment? You're talking about Edna. Yes. Yes. Well, Edna and Catherine are really cool. I, I think um, Edna is here all the time, <laughs> on time. <laughs> like sometimes it seems like everyone's here an hour early or more. Mm-hmm. And then we have, um, and she she takes the bus in from Saugerties. And I remember Edna when I first got here and she was working the cafe. And so we've had a relationship for a couple of years now. Um, and then there's Catherine, who is also wonderful. Catherine has been here for probably about a year and a half, maybe more, maybe almost two years since, well, t- since 2019. And Catherine was supposed to retire in December of last year. And so after a week, she said, you know, Leslie, you know, they don't put those labels on the bottles right. And I said, you know what, Catherine, you're right. <laughs> and she goes, you need me to come back. So how about I come back and just help you put the labels on the bottles? And I said, that'd be great. So <laughs> Catherine comes in, you know, on Mondays and Tuesday morning. Sometimes she'll get here at six o'clock in the morning and she'll do her work and then she's she'll leave and, and then that's it. <laughs> so... It's, 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 but that's what you want, right? Somebody who's happy, wants to stay because you've treated her the way she's excited to stay. She, this is something she's contributed to. It's, it's, it's a, it's a joy to see. I mean, I could just feel when I got into your space and boy, is it clean. Well, I think I, I, I am a little bit fastidious. Well, I was trained at Restaurant Danielle, and if there is a drop of water on the floor, there was a lot of yelling, and that stuck with me. So, Or how to keep your apron you know, white or your chef coat white as you go through a 16-hour shift. That, that was the goal. <laughs> That's right. But that also prepared you, correct, for, for creating these things and, and understanding about how important it is. That's correct. The, the preparation of things. So, you know, I'm just going to step back to sustainability again. You spoke about what sustainability looks like within Eden-esque in terms of happy employees moving forward. I want to talk about your bottles and just a little bit more about your bottles because they're transparent, like you were talking about transparency, but can you talk about how they're processed in terms of, you know, once, once we've used them, um, what that process looks like? Are you meaning our glass bottles? Once the, we do have a, 
bottle return policy. Uh, mm-hmm. So most people bring their bottles back to the farmer's market and they will receive a dollar. We are at several supermarkets as well. So there is a bottle return policy there as well, as you may know. Um, and the our plastic bottles, just because some of our customers do prefer um, the, the plastic bottle or our, especially our food service industry customers, um, those are compostable. So we use a company called Good Start Packaging for, for those products. Okay. And then we always talk about this as the elephant in the room, right? And we can touch on this too when um, our special guest comes on. But almonds. And, and talk about that because I know you're focused on sustainability and all of that. And can you just talk about almond production and your thoughts about that? Well, I know it's a big problem. And um, California produces, I think, 80, 70 or 80 percent of the almonds in the world. California is going through a drought. Uh, There is concern that it takes, what, maybe one, one and a half gallons of water per almond and then, so that's a big concern, right? It's taking so much water. And not only that, then we have to issue with bees, right? So the almond trees need bees, bees need the almond trees. But since we're losing, since, you know, the almond, some almond farmers are using pesticides and there's an issue that they're killing bee colonies. So there's a lot of issues. We have the bee issue and we have the water issue. And I fully don't know what to do about that. I mean, from my point of view, most of our 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 business or our top seller is the almond milk. Um, although one thing that I will be doing is we have a push here in New York State uh, for our uh, tree farmers to begin to grow our nut trees or nut trees that are native to New York and that is the walnut and the hazelnut. I know there are about five farmers that will have commercial tree nut trees ready in probably about two years and more. There is one commercial farmer now. So I will start to work with them in the near future um, so we can have hyper-local nut milks. Um, And then the almond, that's just a, that's a, big one to crack because I don't know how to understand that fully and I'm still wrapping my arms around it Um, and then the fact of the matter is that a lot of things take a lot of water to grow the walnut I saw a recent um, article that talked about well one head of broccoli takes two almost to three gallons of water to grow but then I guess we're talking about the location and the fact that California is in the state of constant drought so it's a big issue. Yeah. And and there's so many things that, that are taking up our water. I mean, it's bringing up a problem, but trying to think of ways that we find solutions. And um, another reason why we have our unnamed yet special, special guest. Um, the next thing is in terms of people that are just so excited to go out and get your product. Can you talk about where your distribution is, where they can find you, one, and two, what are the issues that face you in terms of growing your distribution? Sure, absolutely. Currently, we're in five or six farmers markets. Um, That would be Hudson, Woodstock, uh, Phoenicia, Kingston, 
and we were sometimes do Tannersville, sometimes we do special events in Saugerties. We're also at the Westport Farmers Market, um, and we may be in Pleasantville, which is in northern Westchester. Some of the retail locations are um, Mother Earth Storehouse in Kingston, and a few other um, farm stores that are peppered throughout the Hudson Valley. And I have been actively working on distribution as of late um, and out doing sales calls now. I think one of the, the biggest hurdles that I have at this point is getting it to the actual stores. Um, it's kind of been just me delivering it. At, at this point, we are using a distributor called Farms to Table. So a lot of our other stores, which is probably about 15, they're able to take care of. And the customer orders and, you know, they're able to pick up, which is great. It's the other stores <laughs> that we have a problem with um, distributing, we are in conversation with a company called Woodstock Drops that will support us until we get large enough to reach other distributor, like a rainforest uh, distribution, et cetera. But we have to get to a certain number of stores and show a little bit of traction. Um, so one thing, we're in the middle of a capital raise. One thing that will help us is to get ref a refrigerated vehicle. That will give us a little bit more opportunity. Perhaps I can hire a driver who can also help to bridge us until we are large enough to get to the larger distributors and, and until we get to that point. But at this point is how do you take all that time up when you're a small company to do that much distribution in a, in a real way? Well, scaling and distribution, right, are, are always an issue because you sort of say, how many people do I have employed? Who are my partners? What is the cost? And there's a whole value proposition there. And so I know that it's sort of two-prong in the funding for you. And again, bootstrapping as you've done, which is incredible. And investors always love to see that. And for everybody out there, you know, you know that's, that's doing this. So listen to her because it's important for her to access the funding. Can you give... Um, I know there's sort of a short-term funding, and then there's a longer-term funding. Can you um, tell us about that a little bit? Sure. I what's the, at some point um, I looked at the numbers this year when I was doing the taxes, and it got to the point. It's like you know this bootstrapping and becoming counterproductive is just not making sense. I really need to be full time and give this business 100%. We need A, B, and C, and I can't do it uh, bootstrapping any longer. So I came on board full-time, and as of April 30th, back in the months of January and February and March and part of April, we were probably doing 150 bottles per month, um, maybe sometimes 200. And now, since I came full-time on board, we're at 300, 350 per week. So that's a, that's a, that's a big difference. Um, we have a contract now or approved vendor with Parker's Dining. 
And starting in, I would probably say about four months, four weeks, I'm sorry, we will be doing their bulk dispensing, moving out Almond Breeze, and we're working on the graphics now for that. We created a soy milk just for Bard College, and one of their schools, since they have 32 colleges and universities, they um, are interested as well, a school that they have in Pennsylvania, of us wanting to do the same program there, along with supplying their stores with our, their campus grocery stores with our retail products. That's all good and dandy. The problem is, is that we have to fund that because it takes a while for people to, for some companies to pay 30 days, 45 days, some of them. At the same time, we're growing. You have to have a team for that. So the team has to be in place. So I've put the team in place. Well, I have to fund the team and play payroll. So our first funding need um, is a bridge loan or a bridge um, investment, friends and family round of about 30000 And that will sort of tie us over or keep us afloat until our larger investment comes through, which is our seed round of 350000 Once we get that, then we'll be able to scale appropriately. We'll be able to have a really strong team in place, have our refrigerated vehicles, et cetera. Okay. So you're in that, you're in that sort of, that's that tough spot. It's a, it's a tough spot because you can see it, you can taste it, and... <laughs> It's almost harder sometimes to raise the smaller amounts of money, but it's not impossible, uh, especially with the way that you have uh, been running your business and you've had, as far as our conversations and what I've seen, a very measured growth. So it's all interesting. Is there something else before we transition into doing some sideways thinking? We as the the community um, on ways that we can help you get to where you need some help. Is Are we missing anything that you'd like to bring up or somewhere where we might be able to um, guide you? you no, know, I just think, um, I think we've covered a lot um, about, you know, the mission and the vision. But as you were saying, just to dovetail on your last thought is, this is a, a awkward position for us. We're like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. You know, it's a struggle. Um, It's a struggle. It's a beautiful struggle, but that's where we are uh, right now. And once we get through this, this season, or once we emerge, then, um, yeah, I have no doubt in the way that we're going to flourish and we are already flourishing. So it's, it's been evidenced. Well, All right. So what I want to do now is I want to talk to everybody about doing our sideways thinking. And let's do a little bit of that. And then we will welcome our special guest, who I absolutely adore, and you two align in so many ways. I just can't say enough about my my dear friend, Dr. Taylor Wallace, who is always there in a pinch for everybody. In fact, he was labeled the nation's premier food and nutrition guru by the Huffington Post. He has a huge history of of jobs at the most senior level. His works are published all over the place, and he's in the media speaking to us in language we understand, getting back to our conversation earlier, Leslie. 
He's currently the principal and CEO of the Think Healthy Group and a professor at George Mason University. And we are thrilled to have him today. So let's do some of the sideways thinking uh, that we were talking about. It seems that for Leslie in this moment, She's got some of the growing pains that every entrepreneur experiences or all of us who are trying to figure out how do we get to the next step in anything that we're doing. And we're looking for a little support from friends, family, community, which we are here at Let's Connect for Good. So distribution, right? She has some limitations there in in terms of her ability to scale and grow. She needs that refrigerated truck. Um, she, it's sort of the chicken and the egg thing. I know she's, she's very interested in sustainability. We've seen that she's talked about it and I will in a moment ask Taylor to maybe have a couple of uh, thoughts on that and, and funding. Funding is, is always a tough thing. However, because of what she's doing from a social impact perspective, as well as just at, just in terms of educating, uh, really wanting to produce something that she can scale in a managed way. She has been running this business. She cares about her employees. And so I think from a creative standpoint or a sideways thinking standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's a discussion with some family offices. Again, if you're out there and you, you're, you're listening to us, you know, of course, are now part of the community and, and Taylor and Leslie are now welcome, welcome, active members of the community. And we'll think about you as, as well when, when they have some opportunities. We want to hear from you. Maybe you have some ideas that we haven't thought of, but you know, the, we're re- looking for you to contribute and to leave us messages or go to our website at letsconnectforgood.com and and maybe we can start a discussion. But I want to hand this over for you two to start having a, a quick discussion about maybe some ideas that you can have, Taylor, in terms of helping Leslie. You know, it doesn't have to just be with some of the things she brought up now, but her business as a whole. Well, and thanks for having me on the show. One of the things that pops right out to me about Leslie um, and the company is that it really encompasses what I've been talking about when we look at sustainable food systems. And often when we think about sustainable food systems, we think, you know, just environmental impact. But that's not really the whole story. There are actually four domains of sustainable food systems, that being health and nutrition, which Leslie has very much put a lot of effort into, uh, the second being economics, uh, which, you know, we've been talking about uh, on the show. And, you know, I think it's just a, a really neat idea and a really good thing for the world, how you've taken uh, individuals that maybe don't have as many opportunities as the other ones of us. I have a very similar story about a uh, an inmate that that started writing me letters when I started on the Dr. Oz show. And, you know, it, it's, it's really touching to see that there are people out there that want to help, that believe in uh, the power of change. Uh, the third is society and, you know, how to create a better society, whether that's locally or whether that's global. 
Um, and then comes the environmental piece where you talk about, you know, water and CO2 emissions. And that's where, you know, agriculture really uh, across the board, we all have to contribute just a little bit uh, to that to make a, a better impact uh, on our earth. So we often think about sustainability kind of in silos, but I really commend you because your business really does encompass all of the domains of what I would call a sustainable food system. Yeah, and I and I thought about it in that way. I just thought about how can we, again, my my term is holistic. How can I have a positive impact um, as a company um, in society? What can I do? <laughs> um, and that's how I thought about it. Well, and I really appreciated. You know, I, I got to try the almond milk, and yes. it was just fantastic. And I, I tell you, I'm a researcher. And I've done a lot of research on dairy and on milk, particularly in bone health in children and older adults. And one thing that always frustrates me about the whole nut milk industry or even the, the oat milk industry, the soy milk industry is, you know, it's kind of like what you said in the beginning. They, you know, put two nuts in a whole thing of, you know, a whole carton and then they, you know, color it white and they call it <laughs> almond milk and woo, it's so healthy, but it really yeah. doesn't have any nutritional quality at all. And what I appreciate about yours is it really does. I mean, you've really packed the nutrition punch in your product um, and yes. it tastes good. Thank you. Thank you. And that's part of it. And I think most of the my customers or most of the customers that enjoy the milk, they pretty much say that it's delicious, but that's the point. Right. Because what I always wanted to do and when I became a chef is, hey, you know, nutrition is delicious. We don't, it doesn't have to taste bad. You don't have to be afraid of it. It doesn't taste like cardboard. It can actually taste really, really yummy, um, especially if we're using um, great ingredients. Right. And, you know, uh, I'll say, you know, I'm a food scientist by training. And I, I'll pick on Alicia because she was picking on locust bean gum. Which, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, is just a dietary fiber. It's a fiber that's, right. that's extracted from the seed, a locust tree. Um, and it's used to help stabilize, but also produce like a creamy texture in things like dairy products. You probably could even uh, use it in a nut milk. So yes. just because it's it's a scary name on the label doesn't mean it's necessarily bad for you. This is true. We just, it's just the gum part. <laughs> Yeah, that's very, I mean, I just think of chewing gum. Can't they come up with a new name? But it, give us one of those long names that's an additive. Because we see them, we can't pronounce them. And I picked, by the way, it was very obvious that I picked the gum one, Taylor. Thank you very much, because it was easy to pronounce. <laughs> you would be surprised at the stuff that we see uh, in the foods. Microcrystalline cellulose. I get a lot of comments about that all the time, which is just another you know, plant extract that's a dietary fiber. Pretty much anything that says gum on it is basically synonymous for, for fiber on there, and they're used to thicken and make a creamy-like texture. Locust bean gum, you know, is really good at preventing ice crystal growth in ice cream. So if you freeze mm -hmm. your ice cream, you don't really want those big ice crystals to form. You want it to be real smooth. So it's used a lot in those um, situations. Um, and I think that's as you grow your business – I mean, it's going to be, you know, a challenge because, you know, your larger grocery stores are going to want to see, you know, that you have an antimicrobial agent or antifungal agent or something that can ensure that, you know, that they're, that it, when you go, you know, mainstream with this and it's trans 
transported, you know, miles and miles away from you when that truck gets hot or, you know, the temperature fluctuates or that store person that's moving it from the pallet in the store doesn't keep it the right temperature, that it'll still be safe when it gets to the consumer. So that's kind of the neat thing about food science and culinary science is we really don't talk enough, uh, but we really have the same goals. Yes, we do. And and that's what I, we gently pasteurize ours now. So our shelf life is two to three weeks. It is not near, you know, if I was going to ship it to North Dakota. And that's why our ambition is to be a northern, northeastern seaboard company. Do you, um, just so we can maintain the integrity of the product. Now, if we were to start to go across the country, then we would consider um, opening smaller manufacturing spaces to serve that particular region. That's how I would know how to do it. Other than that, I just don't know how to do that. How do you go from, you know, hey, keep the nuances in a product, and then all of a sudden, you have to go to California, and so therefore, all everything that you've what made your product unique is gone then how would i compete with other people and so fortunately we know that the northern eastern seaboard is the second largest consumer of non-dairy products so perhaps and with our innovation with our other products perhaps we will um, be that 20 million dollar company in five years you know there there is a possibility because the high density however still I struggle with the fact is, hey, we have to maintain our, we have to maintain who we are. We have to be authentic as we do the high growth. So perhaps you can only grow so much. I I don't know, Taylor. It it will become a challenge. You know, I worked with a company years ago that you're probably familiar with called RX Bar. And RX Bar was created in um, somebody's garage in Chicago. And, you know, it was a couple nuts and a couple, you know, egg whites and some dates and no BS was their their thing. But then Kellogg ended up buying them out. And so what happens when a big company buys you out like Kellogg? Well, you have to scale it globally, right? Kellogg's everywhere. And so they're in every grocery store. They're in, you know, all over the place. Even if you just take the U.S., for example, um, you can go in any gas station and find an RX bar around. What ends Mm -hmm. up happening is there's not enough dates in the supply chain. We can't produce enough dates right now. And then they, they go expensive. And so what do companies do? They use stuff that's on the supply chain, which is sugar, (laughs) saturated Mm -hmm. fat, fillers, Mm -hmm you know, things to that nature. So it is relatively difficult to keep, to really, really scale up to on a national scale um, and still keep your, keep to your true self um, like that. It's not impossible, but there's definitely a lot of uh, of bumps in in the road. See, but that's (laughs) where, where you come into play, Taylor, because you guys can put your heads together and think about that. But Taylor, in terms of, I'm getting back to, um, the water issue, right, and waste, the two issues. And, and Leslie, you sort of really don't have a lot of waste based on what you told us earlier. But the water issue sort of becomes a hot topic, right? Everybody, everybody has one topic they're focused on. And I guess while we, of course, the drought is, has been here and affected the crops in um, California and so on, but there are technologies 
especially from the Netherlands, where we're seeing um, answers to a lot of these sort of self-sustaining um, situations. And so would you be able to maybe put your heads together? And I'm always happy to jump in because I like to go down rabbit holes and um, maybe figure out how, how to manage that by obviously talking to some people that are out creating these technologies for us. Is there, it, you know, I'm just thinking it'd be fun for, for us to take it offline and bring it back and see what we can uncover versus saying, this is a problem, this is a problem. But I think both of you are, are people that have looked toward finding solutions where solutions aren't obvious. Well, and I think as you scale up, you know, you're not at the, the place right now where you're large enough to where you start thinking about water supplies and things like that. But larger companies, you know, like Kellogg or General Mills or Nestle, um, Unilever, they, they think about that kind of stuff all the time because they have such a large impact mm-hmm. on the world. It's water supply. And there's technologies. Uh, Leslie mentioned reverse osmosis. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. basically just like using a high-tech cheesecloth, right? Right. She's taking a really small uh, or a membrane and just filtering water through it so that all the junk comes out and all the pure water, because water is a very small molecule, comes out on the other end. Things like that can really be used to conserve water and to you know, utilize water sources that might not have been as optimal in the past. So I think technology will take us a lot of places in regard to sustainability. And I actually commend you again, because people like to point the finger in agriculture. You know, agriculture is kind of a not me kind of culture. Like I'm not the one leaving the environmental footprint. That's red meat, but we can all do better as an industry. And I think the more people that push forward like that, the better we're going to end up in the future. I'm very optimistic about sustainability. I think we can solve it. I have to agree with you. I think where there's a will, there's a way. And if we, it's sort of the idea of connection, everybody within a community working together toward a goal that benefits everybody in the long run and in the short run, right? I mean, you guys are both building your communities and helping your communities through access, through products, through information. And, and, that's, and that's the most important thing for all of us going forward. In terms of labels, right, she, she's doing pretty well because, Leslie, you've had those looked at and Taylor looked at your labels, and that seems to be a place where you're doing quite well. Quite well. <laughs> I tell you, I work right? with a compared, lot of small startups. <laughs> I work with a lot of small startups, and I looked at your website, and I looked at your label. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're all in compliance. I'm sitting yes. right here in Washington, yes. D.C. next to FDA, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you're like the gold standard of a startup. Well, you know, because well, I'm a culinary student, but I also taught culinary school, and I taught the um, food handling course, and, you know, so that being in compliance in that way, which is, you know, when you run a kitchen or you're, it's just top of mind, it becomes very, very easy. <laughs> so you know, you know how to keep the kitchen clean or documentation and all of that good stuff. So we have, uh, we're inspected all the time and it just kind of surprise, you know, show up and, and that's fine. It, actually, I'm, I'm okay with that because we're always in compliance. So we want to make sure of that. That's for sure. Um, and I think from an advisory standpoint, which I'd love to, um, you know, obviously I've got Taylor here for a reason and he needs to get some access to sort of, you know, get down in the weeds with you a little bit more. But I do think there's opportunities for um, 
some kind of advisory. You do have a nice advisory board, uh, Leslie, in place. But mm-hmm. um, I think he rounds that out a little bit with his background as a food scientist. And also in terms of always making sure that you're where you should be. Because, uh, Taylor, I mean, you certainly do have connections and access out there in terms of big distribution outlets, right? Can you tell her a little bit about that? She's not going for that now, but you can always be there sort of maybe to take the pulse, right? So that she can stay the course. Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of work for, you know, a lot of the larger food companies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of misinformation out there about sustainable food systems and what constitutes sustainability. I am one of the people that probably in the minority, but you know, when it comes to particularly sustainability, I don't think that we can do it without industry, especially big industry, because they know supply chains um, better than anyone. And that's really what it's going to take with, you know, 8 billion of us on this planet is, you know, that logistical knowledge. How do we take something that like this that's nutritious and not dilute it down, but scale it up? And I think that, right. you know, big industry is going to have a big role to play in that because I think they're the ones with the knowledge of how to do that. Um, and I've seen them do that with several. I mean, Unilever is a great example of a company that has taken so many great steps to uh, launch smaller companies, but have really, you know, allowed them to stay them. Mm-hmm. You know, Kellogg tried to do that with RX Bar, but then Kellogg, when they did that, figured out that everybody at RX Bar was like 22 years old and just, you know, kind of wild and crazy with the company. So I think they had to have a little bit more oversight on that. But, you know, Unilever's done a very good job at taking some of these more plant-based solution companies and really helping them scale and do doing that under their brand and, you know, kind of their own environment. Mm. And I, mm. I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that, you know, the bigger companies are starting to look at, you know, other things besides profit as an end goal. And I think that's because they have to, because if they don't, you know, policies are changing, consumer attitudes are changing towards food and the food supply. And I think they have to react to that. So I think, you know, doing things like what you're doing in helping your local community, in helping leverage people, uh, thinking about health and nutrition of the population and environmental sustainability, I think you're a step ahead of them. And I think that uh, in the end, they're going to uh, really, really make a big investment in that. I can already see it. Uh, well, I hope so. Um, I guess because a couple of years ago, it was, you know, um, well, you have to, you know, extend your shelf life. You have to do this. And it it became quite discouraging in some ways. So it's like, well, I don't want to produce food like that. Like, that's part of the problem. <laughs> that's why, in my opinion, why we are suffering from so many chronic ailments and we're on prescription drug uh, medications, et cetera. And part of my vision and mission is to not do that, just to go opposite to sort of, you know, say, Hey, no, guess what? Food, it only lasts three weeks because that's, that's about as much as we can get out of it. <laughs> you know, that's because that's, that's how we uh, maintain the nutrient density or, um, we have to get used to the idea that, hey, food is not supposed to last, especially a nut milk, for a year, right? <laughs> I, I, I 
think? Well, I think it's both. You both look at food and nutrition and, and the outcomes. And that's why there's so many reasons you're a nice pairing and will work wonderfully together. Now that we've gotten the conversation started between Leslie and Taylor, I can't wait to hear what happens once they spend more time collaborating. We'll keep you updated through our website at Let's Connect for Good, our social, and links to Taylor and Leslie. So please reach out to us. Many thanks to everyone and let's connect for good. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.